Thai is a difficult language, I think. Okay. You know, like yeah. English is a difficult language as well, but yeah. Thai is, I think, quite hard. And Thai people will appreciate any effort. Okay. You know, like yeah. I remember the very first time that I, I tried to say thank you in Thai. Yeah. It was in like 93 in a restaurant in Chiang Mai where I was there with an old girlfriend and we had ordered dinner and I tried to say thank you. And yeah. I said it so badly hmm. that the waitress almost wet herself <laughs> laughing. But then it became this whole thing of her explaining to me how I should be saying it, yeah. you know. And it was totally well-mannered and well-intentioned and, and I still remember it today, 20-whatever years later. Welcome to Brood in Bangkok, the podcast about the people you meet in the city that makes a hard man crumble. Hello, everyone. This is Siddhant. I have a question for everybody. Why is traveling revered the way it is today? Don't get me wrong. Throughout human history, we've had many accounts of famous travelers going to new lands, bringing new ideas and taking some with them back home. And it's always been something that a lot of people and a lot of cultures have appreciated. However, in this day and age, travel seems to have taken on many new implications. You have people who are traveling to new countries for the first time and connecting and trying to experience things from new cultures in a very different way. These are the backpackers that we have grown so accustomed to today. But the way the travel industry has sort of progressed and gotten efficient at identifying and offering something for each level of traveler, even this so-called undiluted, pure approach to traveling has somehow fragmented into many different forms of travel. Now, this might not necessarily be a bad thing, just because travel has now become more focused and there's more ways for people to experience new countries. That doesn't mean that it is less impactful in any fashion. You have people like luxury travelers who go and experience the best a country has to offer. And that's something that wasn't easy to do for a lot of countries. Sure, you have these larger, popular places that, that draw people in. But the smaller countries that have sort of always escaped attention have now started to really rise up and offer something new for many travelers out there. And just how we perceive travel or the destination has changed so much. Because now there's a, there is such a wealth of information out there that you can access and read about any destination that you choose to visit that you can actually sort of maybe even experience part of it before you even get there. And while that's a really, really good thing, in some ways it could be a really bad thing. And that has to do with how the information is getting to you. My guest today, Stuart McDonald, has been traveling for a very long time. And along with his wife, Sam, Stuart has created Travelfish, a community that has been writing guides about Southeast Asia for a very long time now. What makes Travelfish different? Well, Stuart says that Travelfish does not accept compensation of any kind. 
And this means that the review has a very unbiased approach to the destination. It feels more personal and gives you a more authentic picture of what the reviewer thinks or feels about the place. So let's learn more about what Stuart and Sam went through to find this approach to travel writing. You said you grew up in Australia. You were born in Australia? Yeah, I was born in Melbourne. But when I was young, it wasn't until I was about 10 years old. Okay. 11 or 12, maybe, that I'd spent most of my life in Australia. So I was overseas, had a stint in Japan, South Korea, Italy. Okay. Yeah. Well, did your dad work in the foreign service or something? No, he, I don't know if it's called foreign service in Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what they call it there, but uh, he was a, he built container ships. Oh, okay. So we we tended to live in in uh, obscure places. Like yeah. I, I've told um, Japanese and Korean people, South Korean people, where where I lived, and they they some of them never heard of it. <laughs> like where? <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> but that's where they put the shipyards. Oh know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that those like sort of deep deep harbors as they call them, right? The ones where the big big ships can go without too much dredging and stuff yeah. like that, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So he would do all that and then back to Australia when you were about 10, is it? Yeah, we were back 10, 12, something like that. Uh, the, the folks decided that um, they wanted to, uh, my sisters and I to have a, the senior schooling in one hit rather yeah. than moving around. So after once we moved back, if dad needed to go elsewhere, he went by himself rather than taking the whole family. Okay. Uh, but I think those early years set the set the set tone. the seed. Okay, you know, for what I wanted to do. Oh, okay, uh, so it was immediately apparent to you, or you know, ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, the the irony is that Southeast Asia wasn't interesting to me. Like when I when I decided to go traveling. India was where where I wanted to get to. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, um, this was like early nineties, and um, the way you did it was you got a round the world ticket. So we went clockwise. Well, you went right. Right. Okay. You know, so, so who who was we? Who did you uh, go? With? It was a, a a couple of guys uh, that I had known through high school and that kind of thing. You okay. Know? And the the funny thing was that we left on it was a leap year, so we arrived in Hawaii before we left Sydney. Look and at so, that! So an you've already note. aged yeah. four years, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, and so, like we did, like typical backpacker stuff through through the states and Mexico, got robbed and and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah, get <laughs> get, get out of the way, nice and early. Yeah, and then did the the. The east coast of the states, and uh, by that stage, I was already tapped out. I ran out of money. Yeah, and uh, I ended up working in the UK for a year. Okay, and the UK was a good year. Like I love London, you know. Okay, but I arrived there in summer. Okay, and so like summer in London is like, a dream. It's yeah. well, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, you know? and I lucked into a very good job. It was a I couldn't even begin to explain the job, but I didn't have to work very hard and I got a lot of money. Well, that's great. I yeah. mean, if you're like London, your, and your early yeah. 20s, yeah that, yeah, yeah, that sort of works out. Yeah, yeah, it did. And uh, at the end of that gig, which was about a year, uh, I 
pulled up stumps and went to India. Okay. And India was like the target of the whole travel. You yeah. Know? So it took me a year and a half to get there. Right. And Skipped it, a bunch of places along the way though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't what I expected, you know. Yeah. It, it, I had three months there. Okay. And at the end of the, the three months when I got, I got a bus at the end of it from Varanasi up to Pokhara in Nepal. Okay. And when I crossed the border, I was, I was very happy to be out of there. Yeah, but, I can but, imagine. But it was an interesting time. Yeah. There was a lot going on for me and, and whatever, you know, it was yeah. an interesting thing. Yeah. But, but the whole, the point of this is that when I had booked the ticket at the start, you had to, because it was a round the world ticket. Yeah. You had to pick somewhere in Southeast Asia as the last stop. Okay. And I'm like, whatever. I didn't care, you know. Okay. And so I picked Bangkok because that was like the... Probably cheap yeah, to fly out cheap again. cheap or yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. So I flew from Kathmandu and, and um, I remember flying over the islands in Burma and looking down, I saw this yacht, you know. And this okay. was like 90, 93. You know, so okay. then like Burma was like, yeah, you really yeah. untouched. Yeah, you, you couldn't, know? you didn't even know what was happening. And, right? and I yeah. remember looking down and seeing this, like these islands and, and thinking, wow, you know. Yeah. But then you landed in Bangkok and, and it was like midnight and, and neon and electricity and yeah. all this stuff after Nepal, you yeah. know, yeah, like yeah, it yeah. was like, holy cow, you know. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I had like two weeks there and I've been coming back there ever since. You know? Okay. Sounds sounds good. But hey, before we move into Bangkok again, let's, yeah. let's take it back a bit. So you went to India, it took three months. Uh, a lot of people consider India to be its own voyage, you know, the mm. it's a, a trip onto its own because there's so much to see, do, discover. And you, you, the hype was considerably up there for you. It was something that you really wanted to check out. So would you say, because this is something I've told other people as well, because, you know, people are curious. They ask me, hey, how do I, what do I do in India? What, yeah. how do I, what do I do? Where do I go? And I usually ask them, where have you been? Because I tell people India is not one of the first few places you should go to in mm. life. Like you should be a seasoned traveler before you go to India because... Yeah. It changes so wildly from day from one day to the next. Like one day you could have the worst day of your entire life, and then the next day could be the most incredible, ridiculous thing that you've ever seen. Absolutely. Yeah. So, did you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, India was. Um, I mean, I don't want to fall into cliche. Yeah. Here, yeah. Uh, but it it was a, a special time, I guess, for me. You know, yeah. and I had high expectations, and it's this whole Western skew on it, but. But from when I arrived, it yeah. was like this train wreck of, <laughs> of like scams and and all the stuff that that, that they warn like, you about. That they warn you about, you know. Yeah. And I mean, the funny thing was, like at the time, I had a, a Lonely Planet. It was a, a black cover book at the time, so it was like I don't know, a 1992 edition or something. Yeah. And it said because all the flights at that time arrived at Delhi. At like one in the morning, two in the morning, it was always like the witching hour. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And all the guidebooks said, wait at the airport till the morning and then go into town. And I'm like, nah, 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 you know, I know, I know better than that. And so I walked out of the airport 
And uh, a guy came up to me and said, um, do you want a van like or some transport or something? I can't remember now. Yeah. Into town. I'm like, yeah, sure. And so he took me to this kiosk. It was like a little desk yeah. thing. Yeah. And I bought a, a ticket. I had no idea what it cost now. And it was going to take me to the backpacker area. Um, Paharanj, I think it's Paharanj, called. Yeah. 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 And so then he took me out and there was a bus there. And so I got on the bus. I was the only person on the bus. Of course. Yeah. And I waited and I waited and nobody else got on the bus. Yeah. And so eventually I'm like, well, this is weird. And so I walked back into the airport mm -hmm. to see what was going on. And the kiosk was gone. Oh. Right. Okay. And so there was, the bus wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, well, okay, this is a bit of a bum start. Yeah. And then somebody else came up and uh, like a tuk-tuk. Or something came up and it was like a mini bussy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And they said, Well, jump in with this guy and he'll take you down to down to wherever. And so I jumped in and he took me and like I just come from Heathrow. Yeah. Right. So Heathrow to Delhi is quite a when you haven't been somewhere like Delhi, yeah. It is quite a change. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're on the bus going through. It's like by this time, it's like two thirty in the morning. There's cows on the street, and all of a sudden, the bus pulled up, and the guy, the driver, said, "Get out now." Okay. And so I got out, and I was in the middle of nowhere, and this tuk-tuk pulled up, just, uh, and it was being driven by a Sikh, and yeah. he said, "Are you going to the train station?" and I said, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I know this story so well only because I've told it so many times. Oh, okay. Because, okay, so just bear with me. Yeah, yeah, this, go yeah. for it, yeah. And so I jumped in with the, with the Sikh and the tuk-tuk and we took off. And he went maybe 100 meters and the, a friend got in. And the friend is like, well, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to Paharanj. And he's like, yeah. oh, you can't go there. It's been a bombing. And at the time, this was 90... Three, yeah, there had been bombings, so there was. It was plausible. It was plausible, yeah, but, but unlikely. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this is bullshit. You know, take me, take me there. And so, as we kept arguing, the guy kept driving, and um, eventually they convinced me not to go there. And I said, okay, we'll go to the train station instead because I knew I could at least doss around at the train station. And um, there'd been a bombing there as well. Of course they had of been. Of course they had. Yeah. You know. So unfortunate. So as this conversation went on and this arguing was going back and forward, we're going into smaller streets and smaller streets and smaller streets. And then we weren't on a sealed road anymore and then we were on a dirt road. And I'm like sort of looking around and thinking, well, this is a bit messed up, you know. Yeah. And they're, oh, what they're saying to me is that this is – these areas are dangerous and, you know, and then they started talking about their mate's hotel, which I had to go and stay at, which was $30 a night. And okay. that number is burnt into my memory. You know, $30 then was a lot. Yeah. And um, I'm like, no, I'm not going to your mate's hotel. You know, just take me to the freaking train station, you know. And then the roads got worse and worse and worse. And then they stopped. And the driver beeped the horn like like this. Yeah. And this guy came running out from nowhere, right? And he had this great big rock in his hand. Hmm. 
and he pretended to hit the driver in the head with it. And while he was doing that, the other guy was looking at me and saying, see, I told you it's very dangerous. We have to go and stay at my friend's hotel. What? And This is amazing. And I said, okay. <laughs> yeah, you convinced I'm, me. I'm with done. This, with this you act. Know, yeah. This circus act, I'm done. Yeah. And so I went to their friend's hotel and, and it was shit. And, yeah. But I paid $30 for it. Yeah. Two months later, in uh, it was somewhere in the south, I met a backpacker yeah. who had had the exact same experience. So it's this scam yeah. where they were doing this, this same thing. She had the guy with the rock and everything. <sighs> it's a lot of effort for a scam, you know? It is, yeah. You know? But that $30 goes pretty far in 1993, <laughs> I would think, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it did, you know? That's, that's an incredible story. And um, what did Stuart the Traveler feel like after this? Because, you know, you went through America, you had a few experiences there as well. And then you had some time in London where you were back to doing, you know, no, work I mean, in life. We, we've been robbed in, I, I was robbed in, in the States. I was stabbed in, in the UK. I was robbed in France. I mean, like I had issues. Yeah. But they were never elaborate Elaborate. scams like this awesome yeah but i mean in other ways india is like a a fabulous place you know like it's it's one of those countries where you love it and you hate it you know mostly Um, at the same time yeah simultaneously and and like to be honest like i was very i had a a very bad situation in in the very far south in mahalibaripuram yeah and and i said i i just have to get out of here yeah and so i I trucked out and went to Nepal and and, and I've never been back. Um, <laughs> okay. So you've never visited India again? Okay. No, no. Um, Any plans? Uh, eventually. Yeah. yeah. Get I'll, to I'll, it. I'll, I'll get there. Get there. Yeah. So yeah. now, after this whole uh, odyssey with rocks and scams yeah. and ups and downs and Nepal yeah. and finally the round trip ends in Bangkok mm. and something new begins. Yeah, I mean, Thailand's a, it's an amazing place, you know. It, it's so easy. When you're a, a young traveler who really has no idea, it's a super easy place to travel in. Okay. You know? So, why easy? What is the, what makes it easy? Well, there's a ton of travelers for starters, you know. Okay. So, if, if you're traveling in your 20s and you want to meet other people and hook up and, and all that kind of stuff, it, it's uber easy. And the the transport was easy, and yeah, you know, I guess and, the, I guess the people here are also part of that. Yeah, I mean, like the, the Thais are very accommodating, very tolerant. Yeah, um, of putting up with a lot, but I ended up for a period of about four years or something. I was spending a lot of time in the islands, so yeah. I'd go down to like Kopangan, Kotao, um, and some of the some of the west coast islands, and I'd just sit around and. Do nothing. It was a non-productive period of my life. <laughs> and then when I ran out of money, I'd go back to Australia. Yeah. And I worked in supermarkets, stacking shelves and stuff like that until I saved up enough money. To jet off again. And yeah. go straight back up. Okay. Know. So uh, so after the the round trip, you went home. You Eventually, yeah. I ran out of money. Yeah. 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 So you went back home and then this was just something you kept doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I lost... In India, I lost about 25 kilos. 
Okay. Um, and then I had like a, the, it was about two or three weeks in Thailand. That was the very fat first time. And it was the classic first time trip, you know, Chiang Mai, elephants, rafting, then down to the islands, full moon party, and then home, you know, yeah. the classic backpacker first trip, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I got home and I was broke. <laughs> like so broke it wasn't funny yeah but my parents had no idea where i was because at that stage like there was no internet or or anything you know yeah yeah and uh so i just i had decided to surprise them and i i'd snuck home and i climbed over the back veranda and and everything and knocked on the door to wake them up and yeah and when they saw me they burst into tears oh man and not okay. because they were happy to see me but because like how Disheveled and, and like, like, I looked. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Lost a lot of weight, emaciated. Yeah, and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in that in that same period, uh, one of my sisters had died, so Ooh, it, okay. it, it had been like it, it was yeah. quite a like a lot of family stuff going on. But it was good to get home and touch base, touch yeah. the earth, you know, yeah. and see your garden. And this and was this was all Sydney at this point. Yeah, in Sydney. Yeah. Okay. But after that, it became a process of like, how soon can I get back up there? To know? Thailand? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah, you were infected pretty much yeah, off the bat. Yeah. yeah, straight off the bat. Okay. You know, you, you, get off the, you get off the fly here and it's just, you can do anything. Yeah, and you, you know? feel like you can do anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, within reason. I mean, the food's great. The people are accommodating and, and like as a, a younger traveler, it yeah. was, it was just I loved it. Yeah, you know. Sometimes you see the look on some of these people's faces, the the ones that you feel like this guy's come here for the first time, and he hears a price of something, whether right. it's a meal or it's a beer, mm. and like there's a vacant stare, the jaw drops, and suddenly it seems like he's calculating like a whole bunch of things. Like, right. oh, I want to do this, I can do this, I can do that. <laughs> wow, this is this. And then it all like hits, it hits at one time where you're like, yeah. wow, th these are all the things I can do in Thailand. Right, yeah. So I'm guessing these trips were more and more frequent. Yeah, it was yeah. every year I, I came up. Um, okay. Like after the, the one loop around, then I was done for for long distance travel. Yeah. And then it was just popping up and I'd come up here for six, eight months, as long as I could get the money to last. You yeah, know? yeah. And it was non-productive travel. You know, I, yeah. I was just coming up and reading Lord of the Rings in a hammock. and Sounds pretty good you know, to me. It sounds yeah. like a very productive uh, yeah. time to me. It's yeah. good downtime, you know. Yeah. And then as, as things opened up, in in the region when it became easier to travel to Laos and Vietnam and and so on, then start to to do yeah. more travel. So yeah. along this way, where did you meet your wife? A few trips in. Uh, okay. it, it's a funny story. Um, in '95, I came here with to Bangkok, and I met a Canadian guy who I'd traveled with previously in Morocco. Okay, sometime earlier. Okay. And we went to Laos and then to to Vietnam. And at the time, uh, Vietnam had been open about a year, 18 months maybe. And Laos, it, like Laos at that time was $100 for a seven-day visa. Okay. Right? So it was, it was pretty tight. Yeah. 
And um, so we went there and we kicked around in Laos a bit and did some fun stuff. And then we went to, to Vietnam and we got there. And I want to say this with due respect to, to the people who were writing guidebooks then. Okay. We had the Lonely Planet to Vietnam and it wasn't very good. But now I understand why it wasn't very good okay. because that it would have been written under very challenging circumstances. Um, circumstances. Yeah. So we were hitching around. We hitched from Hanoi up to Dien Bien and Sapa and stuff. And and the, the, the guidebook just wasn't up to scratch. And, and so Tim and I thought, well, let's try and do something ourselves, you know. Yeah. And so we ended up cobbling together through our travels um, a guidebook to Vietnam. Okay. And when I got back to Sydney, like I had no no idea about publishing or, or anything like that. Yeah, and yeah. I knew nothing about this it. This was just a, yeah. you're trying it on a whim like, pretty much you know, yeah, at this point. Yeah. yeah, making it up as we go. Yeah. And I called, a, we got in touch with a distributor and Vietnam was really in vogue. Okay. And we said, so we mocked up one chapter with maps and like taught yeah. ourselves page, page maker. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> who uses page maker now? But, yeah. But like, we did all this stuff and, and submitted it. And, and the guy's like, well, when can you get the book to me? You know? Yeah. And of course, we didn't know what was really involved. And we said, yeah, okay. So we did it. So we did this guy book to Vietnam, which sure. was in 90, 94. And it didn't, make much money okay you know but it was okay for like i look as at an, it now first attempt yeah, yeah i mean i look at it now it's in, it's embarrassing we put like crosswords in it and stuff but but at the time like we had no idea what we we're doing sure yeah so after that we ended up doing a guidebook to thailand okay and that was right after yeah it was like as soon as we put the vietnam one in the publisher said give me another one okay and we're like, okay yeah, so got, no, why like, the heck not? We're not making yeah. any money, but let's go and do it anyway. So yeah. we did this Thailand book, and um, the Thailand book was much more solid. Okay. Uh, I'm much more proud of that than the Vietnam one, but they were both, you know, as you go. But after that, I thought I should do, because I, I'm not actually a writer. Yeah. You know, at that stage, I didn't even have a degree. Yeah. And um, so I signed up for a travel writing class. In Sydney. Okay. Yeah. And the... Uh, Seems reasonable, you know. Well, why not? Yeah. You know, I've yeah. already been doing it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And the, the course said, uh, bring along any previously published material. Yeah. And so, at that stage, I had no published material except my own self-published books. Yeah. Right? So, I brought the Thailand and the Vietnam book with me. And Sam was also in the course, and okay. it turned out she had traveled to Vietnam yeah. with my Vietnam guidebook. Oh, there you go. And you got an in. Yeah, yeah. I, I've gotten <laughs> in. And, and she couldn't believe that something that was so poorly written yeah. could be published. Yeah. Like, that's what she said, you know. Amazing. So it was love at, tr at first sight. Yeah, you know? clearly. <laughs> yeah. So, and then from there, like... Uh, we got together pretty quickly and then okay. started coming back up here. Okay. Know. So, did you guys write any books together? No, we, we came up ostensibly to do a book on Laos. Okay. And then we, we came up and that was 97 and the currencies collapsed. 
Okay. And uh, so we doubled our savings. Yeah. And we're like, well, screw doing another book. Let's go traveling. Yeah, sure. So, sounds, so- sounds about right to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what we did. And then when we ran out of money, Sam ended up getting a job. She's the far more employable one of the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she got a job at the embassy, at the, at the Australian embassy. And then she was able to... Over here to- in Bangkok though, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Was, we were in Laos at the time. But but uh, she saw the ad, I can't remember where now, in the post or something. And we were in um, Luan Nam Tha, actually, in northern Laos. Yeah. And she had to get a flight from there down to, to Vientiane yeah. to, to come down for the interview. And at the time, Luan Nam, Luan Nam Tha Airport was like a freaking bamboo shack. Yeah, right? there might was, as well there, have been. Yeah. yeah, there was nothing there. And uh, so we were having a beer before Sam... Uh, took off. Yeah, send it off on a high note. Yeah, yeah. good luck and, and all that. And uh, the bill came, and I can't remember how much it was, but it was that classic airport sort of yeah. ramp up, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I said to the guy like, like this is really expensive. I can't I can't remember how much the beer was. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And the guy, the Lao guy, just looked at me and said, "This is the airport." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he's know? he's got a point though. You gotta you gotta it's give him a that. Bamboo shack, he, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's his airport though. <laughs> he, so so like Sam then came down, got the job. Then I ended up uh, working at the embassy for a while, and and then we rolled on to the newspaper and and other bits and pieces. Yeah. yeah. So so you were in Bangkok with the job. Uh, both of you had jobs here at the embassy. Seven years, yeah. Yeah, we lived in Bangkok about seven years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, what was that like? Um, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I, I mean, we we didn't have kids, so it was um, at that stage we didn't have kids, and it was a good party town. It was. Yeah. They were just putting the subway, the the sky train in. Sorry. Yeah. And it was a it was a fun town. You know, I, I loved it, and we we were we were very lucky that. Um, we went out to Yasoton okay. in, in Isan for the uh, Rocket Festival. <laughs> and um, which is, have you, have you been to the Rocket N- Festival? No, I haven't. Yeah. Oh, it's coming up. You, you should go. Oh, yeah. It, good. it is absolutely the most insane festival I've ever been to. So, what's it like? What, what's it about? They have, it, it's a rainmaking ceremony. Okay. So, they, they get these huge PVC pipes. Okay. And they fill them up with, gunpowder or whatever it is you make a rocket to take off yeah yeah. and they set them on fire and they they (laughs) they go and go and go you know yeah okay so we went to that and it was nuts and we met a a guy there who became a very close friend of ours michael rivers and um he gave us his apartment uh which was on soy 27 and it was a really it was a really cushy deal yeah, and that sort of gave us that window. Like we were paying. I mean, the apartment was like it was big. It was two two bedroom, large apartment, uh, but no aircon, no hot water, nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was like uh, it was five thousand four hundred baht a month, right? <laughs> That's just amazing. You know, so yeah. it was a good deal. Yeah, and so that gave us that window to be able to sort of try and make something of it. You yeah. know, like, because there's no way we could have afforded to pay mm-hmm. 30000 or something like that for a, a nice apartment. Yeah. So, um, 
we took Michael's apartment and his cats. Like we had to take the cats with us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we rolled on from that. You okay, know? so cool. I mean, this sounds like uh, part happenstance, part like find making your own luck. You know, in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. So. If I want to get a bit philosophical, how does travel impact a young couple, you know, like just setting out and trying to find stuff? I think travel is a really good test of a relationship. Okay. Okay. I mean, if you can travel with somebody, it's the easiest way to test if it has the metal to go somewhere, you know. Okay. So, like, we were quite lucky. Like, we met when we met. At the at the travel writing class, Sam was actually had, had planned to go to South Korea and, okay. on something completely different, and so I convinced her to, to do this instead. Well, it worked out for us. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah. it's sort of you get to see somebody, whether it's up or down, in the in the heat of the moment, things like that. Absolutely. Right? And then you get you have to work together, right? In a way. Yeah, like we we had this funny thing where I'm I'm um Sam is quite good with languages. Yeah. Where I'm not. All right. Um but I'm quite good at listening in in English and in other languages. Okay. Well, she's very good at speaking. So we would end up in this um these triangles, particularly like in Isan and and like less tourist parts of Thailand where yeah. They would speak to me, yeah, and then I would tell Sam, and then Sam would answer them. So there were these triangle conversations <laughs> over and over again. How did how did the how did the other recipient of the conversation it, participate? It, it worked. It did. You know? okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is the thing. Like, like using Thai Thailand is exa- Thai is a difficult language. I think. Okay. You know, like, yeah. like English is a difficult language as well, but yeah, Thai is I think quite hard. And Thai people will appreciate any effort. Okay. You know? Like, yeah. I remember the very first time that I, I tried to say thank you in Thai. Yeah. It was in, like, 93 in a restaurant in Chiang Mai where I was there with an old girlfriend and we had ordered dinner and I tried to say thank you. And yeah. I said it so badly hmm. that the waitress almost wet herself <laughs> laughing. <laughs> But then it became this whole charade, a whole thing of her explaining to me how I should be saying it, yeah. you know. And it was totally well-mannered and well-intentioned and and I still remember it today, 20-whatever years later. Yeah. And I can't imagine, I can't always see that happening, say, in Australia or the yeah. UK or somewhere else. Where yeah, where they take the time yeah, to make to, that to happen. to make the effort, you know. Cool. Um, which is, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So then did this, were these the first seeds for travel fish? You know, these these sort of yeah, we, bonding we, experiences. We had, um, we were traveling a lot. I'd done the guidebooks and the guy, and after the, the Thailand book, between myself and the other people who worked on it, we made our money back. Okay. But, but that was it. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Th- there's no money in in travel writing. Yeah, really. Yeah, at least not at this. We're not at doing, the guidebook level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were still traveling all the time, and so I ended up with this job at the embassy, where part of that job was I had to build a website. And okay. at that time, I I didn't know anything. But it's a classic job interview where the guy says. Can you build a website? And you're like, and you say, yeah, you, yeah, of yeah. course, totally. Yeah, yeah, and then you run home and buy like ten web design for dummy books, you yeah. know, so you can figure it out. 
Uh, so through the product of that, like the year at the embassy, I learned how to build the basics of a website. And now I moved to the nation on the same same kind of a gig or the nation junior, which is like a kid's magazine uh, okay. associated with the nation. But by the end of the nation gig, I could make a decent website. Okay. And we were still traveling like backpacker style, like Sam and I are both, well, we're growing out of a a little bit, but we're backpacker-style travelers, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And we're like, well, we can do this. And, and TripAdvisor was just sort of coming into into the scene, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And we're like, well, maybe we can do something with this, you know? And so we built like a initial website. Initially, it was going to be – we came up with it on Komak, so out okay. near Kochang. Yeah. We had like a, a long weekend or something. But we scribbled it out. On a notebook and like, well, this is what we could do, you know? Yeah. But at that stage, there was no way to make money out. We had no plans or there was no yeah. business plan or anything like that. We are just like, well, this sounds good. Let's, let's do it, you know? And so, like the initial, like you can go back through the internet wayback machine and yeah, look at yeah. the old site. Was it always called and, Travel Fish or? Yeah, yeah. We, we Initially, we were going to call it Four Elephants. Four Elephants, okay. Yeah, and then... um. Uh, for various reasons, uh, we didn't end up building it. And then Sam ended up using that domain name for something else. And so we had to come up with something else. So okay. Cabblefish, we just made it up. Okay. Easy to remember. Um, but when you look at the the old site through like the Internet Wayback Machine, yeah, it's like the best of, of the banana pancake trail. You know, yeah. like Kotao, <laughs> Kopangan, you know, the like all the, 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 the tap, typical backpacker kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what we were I, doing. I love that phrase. You know? like, uh, was that a thing? Did people say stuff like that? Oh, these yeah, soft, yep. soft, uh, uh, easy trails. Absolutely. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, like you knock it, but I, I've had my share of banana pancakes, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people who read your site, uh, they never go past that stage, right? Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, what I'd like to know now is, what did you see for Travel Fish that made it, in your eyes, different from what was already out there? I started doing the guidebook in Vietnam because I didn't think the, what was available was very good. And then when we started doing what ended up being Travel Fish... We didn't know anything about travel writing at that stage. We didn't understand how it worked, right? Yeah. So we didn't understand that it was a, like a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it is built on comps and free stays and, and all this yeah. kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And as like a, as a budget traveler. You don't even it, expect it. I, I like railed against that, right? Okay. And I'm like, that's not what I want, you know? So from the get-go, when we first started, we said, like, this is not what we're going to do. We're going to pay our own way and not take media rates. Well, at that stage, we didn't even know where the media rate was, you know. Okay. So this was, like, from the beginning, you, you knew about from the it beginning. because you even taken that course what, and what, you've seen what, stuff. What, what had happened was I had uh, I found out about um, uh, something uh, another author had done that wasn't disclosed in the book. Okay. Right. And I, I felt that it should have been. Okay. And so I'm like, I don't want to do that, you know? Oh, so you, you sort of pieced that together. You saw somebody yeah, it was like, that was yeah, influenced the, the by Chinese, this. Chinese whispers and all this kind oh, of stuff. Oh, okay, you know? okay, okay. And I'm like, I don't want to be that, you know? I want to, like, if this place is good, I'll tell you it's good. 
Okay. If, if it's not good, it's not good. Okay. You know? So these ethics, let's just call them ethics because that's mm. a good byword for this. Were they things that you picked up or was it immediately apparent when you were writing this? In the sense that did you like make these mistakes along the way or did you just shun it from the no, no, absolute from, beginning? From get-go. Okay. Right. So right. I was like, initially when we very started, uh, we said that we, we only want to be backpacker focused. Right? Okay. Because at that time we were just backpacking. Yeah. So we had this thing where we said if it's more than $20 a night, we're not going to list it. Okay. But was right? that like something you disclosed in the beginning of the book or the no, article? This is on the website, right? Okay. So there's no more books anymore. Sorry, like, so, we're done so with was books. it like disclaimer? No, no. Or like this is a rule of ours? No, never... no. It was just like in-house stuff. It was like I would say to the the people who are help, helping me write it, if, if it's more than 20 bucks, don't look at it. Okay. Right? Now, like looking back, that was a really dumb thing to do because mm. like there's – you know, there's a whole other market. Yeah. But aside from that, we were, um, I wanted to highlight good places and I didn't want to have them playing a part in my decision to highlight them. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So this is the thing, right? A lot of people would still say like, why does that have to be like an ethical sort of quandary, you know? Because these are things, these are rules we make up or rules that we abide by. And a lot of people probably who've written the content that mm. a lot of us consume, they, it seems like perfectly passable content. And the people that read it, they're like, yeah, they, I'm still getting good advice. Why, why is this well, bad for me? You know well, what I'm saying? Is it bad for you? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's necessarily bad for you. I mean, you can have a perfectly competent travel writer yeah. go and take a comp stay at some hotel and write up a totally legit review. Yeah. Right? I'm not I'm not saying that's not possible. But often that doesn't happen. Okay. Right? Like you take the comp, there's yeah. an expectation yeah. that it's going to be a positive review. I was told a great story um, very recently by um, a travel writer, a very professional travel writer, yeah. who was writing for a, a very large newspaper who had profiled a property for the newspaper, and then the profile wasn't sufficiently positive. Okay. So the paper decided not to run the review, right? But then the paper invoiced the writer for half of the fee because they decided to kill the story. So he still had to pay for that. Well, the writer refused. Yeah, like, yeah. The writer said, this is complete bullshit. I'm not paying that. Yeah. But this is the problem of the expectation between right. positive It comes content. back. It comes but, back at you somehow. But even putting that aside, like anybody who's writing guidebook copy now, if, if you're still looking at properties, like and, and now because of the OTAs, like a go there and booking and that kind of stuff are yeah. so prevalent – like, you could argue that there's no point reviewing properties anymore. But if you're still in that business, if you're taking a junket, if you're accepting a free stay here, yeah, for argument's sake, right? Yeah, yeah. That ups the chance that you're going to list it. Okay. Right? Yeah. Even if you're totally level-headed, right? Yeah. And it also reduces the amount of time that you have to look at anywhere else. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, from from our point of view, so, 
like to take Bali as an example where I'm where I'm based. Yeah. Um our our main Bali rider, Sally, she went to Changu. And so she looked at in Changu there's about four hundred places to stay. Wow. Right? Okay. Yeah. It, it's a very limited area, but it's just jammed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So in the space of a week, she looked at 120 places to stay. How does one do that even? Like, well, you, you walk a lot yeah. and, you know. Ask a lot of questions. Ask a lot of questions. So she looked at 120 places to stay. And then um, she boiled that down to a list of about 55 places that she thought were pretty odds on. Okay. But this is still an area that's smaller than Sukhumvit. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, still giving someone a list of 55 hotels is not very useful. No, right? because I can't so, tell one from the other at this point. So, then we boiled it down to about 35. Like, we, we had a phone call and sort of went through them and yada, yada, yeah, yada. Yeah. But that's a week's worth of work. Of, like, before you write them up. like yeah. just, just, just observations. identify them. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, if you're taking a junket and you're staying at one of those places for free... Then they're doing like three odds, at max. Odds yeah. on, yeah. You know that's probably going to be in the list. I'm not trying to sort of say that other riders are doing it improperly or anything, but we just choose not to do it that way. Okay. So when you started out in uh, Bangkok, or you started with travel fish over there, what were the first few things you identified? Like what we, what are the few first few places where you knew like, okay, if we go here, we can do something solid. And people will appreciate it. Well, back then, I mean, like, we had no idea. So, it was like Komak. It was like the Kotao. Um, like, it was it was the classic backpacker places. Because at yeah. that stage, that's what we were doing. Yeah. And because then, we weren't hooked into affiliate programs and advertising or, or anything. Like, we really had no idea what we were doing. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later, as the business grew... It became a thing of like, well, we have to make money out of this if we're yeah. going to do it so yeah. we can be, keep paying people and everything. So Okay. So, it started with Thailand. It started with the islands. Yeah. And then it branched out to the neighboring countries. Yeah. And then it just moved on from there. Yeah. So, how long before you started casting the net wider? The site grew as, as Sam and I traveled. So, we had seven years here. And so seven that years in Bangkok and in, in seven years in Bangkok. Okay. And then Sam was transferred to Phnom Penh, and that was when when we were in Cambodia was actually when we started really building the site. Okay. Um, because I I wasn't working anymore. Yeah. Largely, and so we started putting the nuts and bolts of Cambodia together, and then I pulled in some friends to help for some southern Thailand and Laos stuff. Yeah. And then um. You know, we just sort of build it as we as we went. You know. Okay. And then we ended up adding adding Vietnam, and um, and that was it. And yeah. then when Sam took transfer to Jakarta, that was sort of a time of consolidation, okay. I guess, where yeah. I was trying to get on top of it and trying to figure out what we did, and and I got some feedback from a Moon Moon Publications, which is yeah. a US uh, guidebook company. Okay. And uh, author who uh, Carl Parks, he's he's no longer with us, but he oh, he, he gave okay. me some some very good criticism. Okay. You know. Yeah. And he said he explained very frankly what was wrong with our site. Okay. And that was something to to act on. 
But then the big change for the site was when we left Jakarta and, and moved to Bali. And Bali, well, Jakarta and Bali was the first time I'd lived somewhere that we weren't covering. Yeah. Right. And um, it was when they had the protests in Bangkok and they shut the airports down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when that happened, that had a clear effect on our income. Yeah. On, on, on the business. Because at that stage, we were hooked into a go for, for booking, hotel bookings and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I, at that time, I met a guy in, in a bar in Bali. Yeah. And he was a, a reseller for hotel rooms for tour companies. And he was moving all of his trade from Thailand to Bali because he said the only thing that you can do in Thailand that you can't do in Bali is jungle trekking. Okay. And he was trying to offset his entire business down to there because he felt Thailand was too risky, right? Okay. And I walked away from that evening thinking, well, maybe we should start to add Indonesia as like an insurance policy, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Because of what was happening in Thailand. And it turned out to be a, a good decision. You know, okay. uh, Indonesia is now a very important part of our business. And, and like, I'm totally into it. Okay. Um, I think Indonesia is totally where independent travel is now. Yeah. Um, you could see that. Well, there's not many people there, but they should be going. Yeah. Um, but Thailand also is like Teflon coated. You know, it doesn't matter what happens here. Everyone's coming. They, they still keep coming. Yeah. You know, so it's um, never a bad time, right? I guess. Yeah. I mean, until it really is a bad time. <laughs> uh, okay. So now that we've sort of touched upon it, how how do you then sort of make money as travel fish? We've we've you've briefly talked about some of these. Well, things, we, we we we've tried lots of different things. Okay. Like we've been doing it fifteen years now, almost fifteen years. We have working relationships with Agoda and Booking. Okay. So, like, we'll review Joe's Lodge, and if you click through to Agoda or Booking, then we'll make a kickback okay. from that. Yeah. So classic affiliate. A affiliate, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we work with um, World Nomads, which is like the our favorite travel insurance company. Yeah. And then we have some like advertising. There's a few other bits and pieces, affiliate programming and that kind of stuff. But then um, about 18 months ago, we had, it got very difficult financially in the business. Like we... Everything just tightened down. We had some changes in business relationships and stuff, and um, it got to a crisis point where we're like, "Well, we're losing money now." You know? Okay. So, what do we do? And um, we thought about it, and we said, "Well, if we're putting up this information, right, whether it's a hotel review or where to eat or what to do or where to get the bus or or whatever, if no one's willing to pay for it." then why are we doing it? Okay. Right. So we made the decision to switch to a paid membership program. Okay. So, so now it's uh, $35 a year for, for someone to join. Uh, is, if someone doesn't join, they can still like browse the website for free largely. Yeah. Um, but a, a paid member gets... Um, like the 250 PDF guides and various other bits and pieces, you know? Yeah. Because it, it became this thing of like, well, why are we doing this? You know? Yeah, yeah. 
And because the bottom is falling out of ads and... Yeah. You know... So, it's straight... Now, it's directly the content that is going to be the model for the business. So, we've talked about this as well. Like, we've said that uh, you have people accepting comps and going on junkets and then making reviews based on that or suggestions based on that. Do you think the readers can sort of tell now when there's comps being... uh, There's... The comp has, like... (laughs) affected the review versus it's not really well i think i i think all all comps should be disclosed yeah right? it should say like i don't care yeah if a writer took a comp or not yeah right but i think if they took a comp it should say it at the top right right so then the reader can decide do i want to keep reading this or not yeah right so some publications will do that some will put the disclosure at the bottom yeah some won't disclose it at all yeah yeah that's how it goes yeah if you know the writer like i know lots of travel writers here and i know whose judgment i trust and whose i don't okay you know and i can have somebody who i trust who takes a comp but i still trust what they say right you know so but not not like your average reader who doesn't know these people isn't in the same position to be able to distinguish, right? you know? Yeah. If it's comped, it's an ad. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's what it is. It's an ad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, for Travel Fish then, is your audience the one that not, there are now members and things like that? How many of them would you say are like sort of seasoned veteran travelers? Because I feel like, are these the guys I would pay, but they've already traveled? Or would they be like new travelers who just you know, don't want to go through the whole experience, shall I say. Well, it's funny because um, when we when we were edging up to the to saying, okay, we're going to switch to a paid membership kind of uh, program, uh, somebody online said what you should do is when you have your sign-up form, like to become a member, whether it's free or paid, to have like an autoresponder which says, like this is – an autoresponder email. So okay. Please tell me why you signed up. Okay. Right? That's important for you to know. Right. So so we set that up and then we started charging people. So the biggest takeaway from that has been like I would have expected, like I'm 40, uh, 47 at the moment. Yeah. But I would have expected our average reader to have been about 30, 35, probably been to Southeast Asia before but they're into it and they're looking for a bit more depth it turns out at least by going off the people who actually send us emails back yeah the average reader is about 65 wow and they've been here plenty of times so they're waiting for you to take them even deeper people send me these emails back saying things like Ah, oh, you know, back when I was in Bali in 72, you know, and I was doing this <laughs> and doing that. And I'm like, I was two years old then. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but it's like we totally misread that, you know. Okay. And I think it's it's easy to think like I still travel like when I'm 35, I would say, you yeah. know. But definitely because the site is very text heavy and there's a lot of reading involved yeah. and, you so, know, like so- – uh, uh, what are we saying here? Are we saying is it the medium that is influencing your readership, or is it that the readership has these uh, is looking for something that only you can 
sort of provide at this point? I I think it's a combination. I think like older people perhaps have more time to read and they're more used to reading. Yeah. Right. But also that I think the kind of travel that like I feel very privileged. Yeah. To have been able to travel around here in the nineties. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the nineties in Southeast Asia was a magic kind of period. Yeah. When it was easy and it was cheap and totally safe. Yeah. And there weren't a lot of people. Like in like ninety six, ninety seven, tourism here to Thailand was about seven million people. Yeah. Well, now it's like thirty seven million. Yeah, exactly. Thirty seven million last year. There you go. Right? Yeah. So that's a ton more people yeah. to, to fit on the Kasan Road. Yeah, yeah, it, does. it is. Yeah. Um, and I, I still like Kasan. Yeah. You know, it has its moments and everything. But I think we're, we're sort of riding from an experience of that older time. Yeah. You know, and I think people appreciate that. You know? Okay. Okay. I don't know. It's, it's, we're, we're still struggling to put a finger on, yeah, a finger on it. Well, what's apparent to me is, yeah, I'm a writer, I'm a journalist, I, that's what I do. But uh, like I said, I think the younger crowd, since they don't read, then it's got to be stuff like videos or social media or things like that. Is that something that you're willing to try out or is, you're not, no. not really going down that road right now? No, I mean, like we have such a small team, you okay. know, like just to to digress for a minute. Yeah, yeah, like, sure, yeah. We, we just had Easter holiday. Yeah. Right? So my kids were, were off um, off school for two weeks. So we went to Sulawesi in, in northern Indonesia. Okay. In central Sulawesi, there's an archipelago called the Togian Islands, about 60 islands. Wow, It's okay. like in this stream. Yeah. There's no electricity. There's no phone signal. There's no internet. There's nothing. Okay. Right. So we went there for two weeks, right? Right. How did kids manage without internet? Like, <laughs> you, you really uh, got some uh, Spartan kids there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the kids are into it. I mean, like, we've we've been very, we've worked hard to make our kids readers. Okay. And they're quite happy to read. Okay. But uh, it's funny you ask because um, I used to read a lot. Yeah. Like, when I traveled here in the 90s, I, I, I go to Komagan, mm. I have Lord of the Rings, my hammock. And like pick me up next week, yeah, you know, yeah, and I yeah. just read. Yeah, but more recently I stopped reading. You yeah, know, with like social media and like I'm on Twitter and Facebook and whatever, and I just stopped reading. Yeah. So when we went to this for this holiday, I got back into reading. Wow, just know? like that. And so I was sitting in my hammock, and um, uh, I had a book that the we actually brought up to read to the kids. And I sat down to read it, and I got out of the hammock four days later. You just four days passed by. Well, like I, I did go yeah. to bed. I, yeah, you know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I read it like through and through. Yeah, and I hadn't done that in in fifteen years. Okay. You know? Yeah. And another night, we um because the because the island is so isolated. Okay. The the closest electricity. Mains electricity is about 50 kilometers away. So one night we put the kids to bed and we were the only people staying on this beach. Yeah. And um, it was about 11 o'clock at night. It was a full moon. And we walked down onto the beach and uh, the weather was perfectly still. Right? Okay. Like still. Okay. 
So the water was like it wasn't there. Okay. I'm having a very hard time imagining this, but yeah. I'm there with you. Right. Okay. Yeah. Just bear with me. Yeah. It was like glass. Okay. Yeah. The trees were absolutely still. And Sam and I were standing on the sand. It was like packed white sand. So it's actually quite hard to, to walk on. Yeah. And um, we're standing there and it was perfectly silent, right? There was no water lapping. There was no birds. There was, there was nothing. Yeah. Right. And we're standing there. And normally when you think about air, yeah. the only way you can feel it is when it's being blown onto you. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like by a fan or the wind or whatever. Yeah. But because there was none of that, you could feel the air on you. Right? Okay. It was like it was hanging on you. Right. Right. And we were standing there and I felt like I was standing on the face of the moon. Okay. Right. Yeah. And I've never, ever, ever had an experience like that. And you're so far into traveling at this point. This, this is like three weeks ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Sam was nowhere near as affected by it as, as I was. But yeah. I, every single person that yeah. I've met since then that would sit down they and listen to me. They must know. I, I have to tell them about this moment, right? Yeah. But it was, I've never experienced anything like it. Yeah. Right? And you don't need a guidebook. Or you don't need a, a website or anything to achieve these kind of things. Yeah. Like the reason I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like going through the story is um, it was a magic moment, right? Yeah. Like yeah. in 20 years yeah. of travel in yeah. Southeast Asia, that 30 minutes standing on the beach was just spectacular. Okay. You know? And like it doesn't matter whether you're old or young. Yeah. You know, with what kind of like what you're reading to, to what you're using as your travel source and stuff like that. Yeah. But to get out there and have like perfect silence. Yeah. Is pretty, pretty far out. Pretty remarkable. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying in a way is you found kind of your audience in, a, in, 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 so, many, in so many ways. Like you, yeah. found, you found like what you want to talk about in travel. Yeah, well, like, I, I want to tell people more than, like, going to, like, a, a very quiet beach, you Yeah, know? yeah. But, yeah, I, I think the people, the the subscribers, like, people who are into the site are well into it, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. If you had to sort of pitch it now, right now, in, like, a minute, what would that pitch be like? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's like we're, we're talking about it's through our eyes, yeah. You know, like we've been here 20 years, we've been around the block, yeah. you know. A lot of what you get in travel writing, yeah. you'll have someone who say this is the best beach. Yeah. But they haven't seen any of the others. Right. Right. I see where you're going with this. When you've seen all of them, well, not all of them, but you've seen a lot of them. Yeah. Then you can say, okay, well, what sort of beach do you like? Yeah. Right. And you tell me. Have I got a beach for you? I've got the beach for you, you know. Right. I mean, like we do travel consulting on the side where we charge people like for like an hourly rate to, to consult. Yeah. And invariably people are like, well, I want to do, you know. And just list out like, a whole bunch like, of things, like, yeah. You know, yeah. To provide us best hits. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, like let's just put that 
to the side. Yeah. And tell me what Dig you're into. Deeper. Dig a you bit know? deeper. Yeah. And okay, Thailand's got like about maybe 35 islands that at least have some kind of accommodation on them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've been to at least 20 of them. Yeah. Right. So you tell me what kind of island you're into. Yeah. What you want. What you like, honestly, what yeah. you're looking for. Yeah. And I can probably tell you what beach you need to go to. Just like that. So yeah. it's 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 not so much of a here we are exploring it. It's more like we've been around the block and let me help you find your beach. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm not gonna tell people what to do. Okay. You know? Which is like, exactly the opposite of how most of these things start out, right? It's like make your own mind up. Like here's the information, arm yourself with it. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, like in some cases, like like for example, this is outside of Thailand, but um, like friends of ours, and they are friends yeah. who, who do a, a a walking food thing in in Hanoi. Yeah, and we say absolutely, this is what you need to do. Yeah, right? it's expensive. Yeah, right, but this will ground you for your entire experience in Vietnam. It just sounds right? like something you'll unlock, and it- so you introduce them, and these guys. They pride themselves because they're not on TripAdvisor, mm. right? Right. I didn't even realize that you could you could say I didn't want to be on TripAdvisor, but that's what they do. And so we can say these are the people you need to speak to, and they're experts, and it sets you up for the whole trip. You know, so much of Southeast Asia is food. Yeah, you it know? really so is. Whether it's these guys in Hanoi or other people in Bangkok or Phnom Penh or Siem Reap or whatever. Yeah. Food is the gateway to so much of here. Yeah. You know? And if people have never been here and they want to get an in yeah. on it, then starting with food is a a good first spot. Yeah. You know what it I mean? Sounds right you know? to me. Yeah. <laughs> it totally yeah. does. Yeah. I mean, but if you don't know, right? You won't know. Yeah. You have some help for the first steps. Yeah. And then it becomes easier. Right. You know. So so what's next now for Travelfish? Is there going to be any new, like, really big development? Or are you going to just stay the course for now and see uh, how it goes? We're, we're staying the course. A few years ago, we added Burma. Yeah. Um, and then, but now with what's happening there, um, we've decided to, to pull back from that. Okay. Um, we're not comfortable with it. We're leaving the research that we have up. Yeah. And, and like, when people get in touch, we sort of say, well, we're not going. Yeah. Here's some stuff you can read. Yeah. Uh, to make your own decision. But in the meantime, we're leaving this stuff up so you can you can um, roll on. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, no, we'll, we'll keep doing what we're doing and trying to get enough people to... To keep supporting to the site and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that sounds pretty good. Uh, travelfish.org. That's J-O-R-G. right. Yeah. $35 for the year and you get 200 plus PDFs. Yeah. Very yeah. detailed guides. And uh, will people be able to reach you once they're members? Will they be able to directly ask you a couple yeah, of yeah, things? Yeah, they or, can contact me by I email guess, or Twitter. And I guess the community is also what they're paying a lot for, right? Like Yeah, uh, but more the, the personal connection. So yeah. when someone joins, they can... They get an email from me. Yeah. And any questions, drop me a line. Well, there you go. Stu is here to help you out. Which beach is for you? <laughs> right? You're going to help them out with that. Yeah, I'll try. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, so, uh, Stuart McDonald, thank you so much for joining us. Thank and, you. And uh, best of luck. Thanks a lot. And that's it from Brood in Bangkok for this episode. If you like the show, please go to iTunes and leave it a five-star rating. If you would like to find out more about the show, you can go to broodinbangkok.com and the website will redirect you to more information about the podcast, show notes, and more background information about our guests and anything else you want to know about the show or me. Until next time. 